Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and we're doing retirement boot camp. So if you're also getting in shape for the summer, physically speaking, you can just start getting in shape for retirement as well. And today's show is geared toward people on, perhaps on the older side in pre-retirement years, 50s, 60s, something like that. Um, people that are kind of getting serious about thinking about retirement. And this is like the, 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 the biggest value that we provide for our clients, we feel, in addition to managing assets, is um, helping them pull off a financially successful retirement, not overspending um, their assets are spending at too high a rate that they're risking the, them lasting for the long term. And, uh, but also on the flip side, helping people understand how much they can afford to spend in retirement. Some people are afraid to draw from their portfolio and sometimes we're, we're letting them know that it's okay to spend more. It just depends on the, the situation and the, and the person. Um, so we sort of talked about you know, defining goals and you know, what you need to do to get yourself you know, follow, following through on your action steps in order to pull off retirement. We talked about stress testing a plan. Um, and for this final segment, we wanted to talk about like, let's, let's sort of fast forward when you're in your retirement years and talking about monitoring the plan. We were saying at the beginning that this is like straight out of, straight out of CFP school, you know, talking about the, the steps that you take with a client. And, and um, that, wasn't actually, that wasn't just school, that's what we do in real life. And, and after we help clients 
transition into retirement, the pl we still help them with planning, but it's just a little bit different. It transitions for us as well from here's what you need to do to get there and hit these targets to okay, we're there, let's make sure we don't screw it up and, and you know, again. Let's make, let's make sure it, it lasts. Let's yeah. make sure it lasts for, exactly. for as long as you live. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but there are adjustments, you know, expenses yeah. change and, and life, life happens. And so that's why you have to, you're continually changing things and, right. and updating things. The easiest way for us to monitor longevity of a plan or whether you'll achieve longevity of your assets, assets is um, monitoring a withdrawal rate. So we talk about that a lot in our business because it's a, it's a key factor. Um, so for our people who are drawing money out of their portfolio, so they've made this transition from savers to spenders, um, the, with, the rate of withdrawal from your portfolio becomes very important. And so I don't even know how far back this goes, but there's this old school of thought in our industry that if you can maintain a 4% rate of withdrawal, then you will achieve longevity, not guaranteed. I'm not an insurance company, but there's like this old 4% rule. You could go you could probably just Google 4% rule and you'd get some articles on withdrawal, withdrawal rates from portfolios. And generally speaking, if you can draw 4% or no more, We'll talk about modifications based on age and stuff, but if you can draw out about 4% from your portfolio, you probably won't run out of money if you live a normal life right. expectancy. That's kind of the starting point. Yeah. That's kind of the initial withdrawal. That's a good target for, for when you start with first yeah. retire, start taking some money out. If you can target around 4% of your portfolio, that's you're probably uh, in a pretty good, pretty good place. Yeah, so I mean, I'll elaborate on that a little bit. We haven't much talked about specific portfolios for this show, but a moderate or a moderately conservative portfolio, which is generally suitable for someone who is retired for at least their, what I would call their big money or their largest assets. Of course, you might have, you know, different investment strategies for other accounts, but, but generally speaking, you should have like something in the moderate or moderately conservative risk range. If it's our expectation or our target that moderate to moderately conservative portfolios can earn four, five, six percent per year, something in that range, maybe upwards of seven percent per year if we have luck in the markets um, with moderate risk money. So if you can earn four to seven percent in like a balanced portfolio that maybe tilts to the conservative, um, and you're drawing four, so in good years, you wouldn't see any capital depletion because if you can earn six and you're drawing four, you earned 2% net after you take out your, your, your draw. And so in good to normal years, you would actually see capital appreciation. But you need to build in a buffer for years where you don't have good markets. And you know, even in a moderate or moderately conservative portfolio, you could have a year where you're down 5, 10, 15% or more. Mm -hmm. And so you need to have built in a buffer so that you can still draw that four and even if I have a crappy year or two, um, hopefully, you know, over a long period of time, I hopefully didn't draw down too much capital, at least at the beginning of my retirement years. So that's where that whole, well, it's one of the reasons that that whole 4% rule is a, is a rough guideline, 
um, be because of long-term returns for moderate and moderately conservative monies and, you know, sort of building in that buffer. And, yeah, yeah I was just going to say, you know, the other thing is because we know, you know, we know that people's expenses will climb over time. You know, we talked a little bit about that, you know, with inflation. Yep. You know, people's expenses just, they just get more expensive as time goes on. And so, you know, the the piece you need to be careful of is if you start, if you start withdrawing too much initially, it's inevitably going to increase over time as, as your expenses increase, uh, just with inflation, healthcare, you know, increases, all those things. And so another reason to, you know, hopefully start on the lower end, uh, if it be at 4% or, or, or maybe even lower if possible, so that gives you that buffer to, you know, increase your, you know, your withdrawals uh, over time because inevitably they, w they will go up. Yep. And so I'm going to sort of piggyback on that. One of the reasons you put together a plan and you don't just eyeball a withdrawal rate is that people's spending and people's incomes and spending may change in the coming years too. So one of my favorite things to do as an advisor is like a cash flow analysis, which is literally a spreadsheet of incomes and expenses. And you can, you can look out several years and that allows us to see how income might change and how expenses might change. And that would lead to how withdrawals from the portfolio might change in the coming years. So what you said is perfectly true. If there's no ch anticipated change in income and no anticipated reduction in expenses, because generally speaking, of course, you're right, that life just costs you more year over year. I can think of some situations, though, where like, let's say we were just talking about Social Security. Like, let's say someone retires at 65 and they want, they feel very strongly that they want to delay Social Security until, six, until 70. And that would mean that they're drawing more heavily from their portfolio for the first five years. But then we're anticipating perhaps a significant reduction in the draw once Social Security kicks in. That's an example of a time where maybe their draw is a little bit higher in the coming year, in, in the beginning years, but then it's anticipated to be, like maybe it's five, six percent in the beginning and then it's gonna drop to two or three percent because Social Security kicks in or, or a, a pension kicks in or an, or an anticipated inheritance comes to fruition. So that's, this is one of those, there are a lot of situations which sort of prove the need for planning because just the draw in and of itself, like if you met someone and they're drawing six or seven percent and they're sixty-five, you're gonna say you're gonna like take your out your little red flag. Mm -hmm. You should get one of those. I don't have one. Of those. <laughs> Do you have one? And so I don't, but I oh. kind of want one now. Oh. And you know, do we throw it yeah. at them or do we, <laughs> like we just a, hold it up? Not like a red card. It's okay. not like a red card. It's okay. like a, you know, it'd be like a little a little flag. Okay. Um, you put it in your little pocket there, like okay. your, um, and you know, but. If you elaborate on that, and, th and then you find out, oh my, you know, my father just died in a couple years. I'll have a five hundred thousand dollars inheritance, or you know, or, or I've delayed social security. My wife and I delayed social security, and it's going to be sixty grand a year. You know, so I mean, y you're you might uncover things that change that rate of withdrawal. So that number, with with the withdrawal rate number, I mean, is important in and of itself. It's not the end all be all, and and things in the coming years might change that. I, you know, I can think of another example where, you know, one of the we talked earlier about how one of the exercises we go through client with we go through with clients is 
itemization of expenses, this whole budgeting exercise. We inevitably get into conversations about traveling and like discretionary expenses, like traveling is, is a large one for many people. And that's another type of expense where, first of all, people are like throwing a dart at a dartboard. They have no idea how much they're gonna be spending because they haven't been retired yet and they have no idea how much they're gonna want or free time, whatever, to travel. But, but also that's an example of an expense that I think for a lot of people is significantly higher in the early years of retirement than it is in the later years because someone in their, you know, between ages like 65 to 75 or 80, hopefully healthy enough More and active, active enough yeah. to retire. And then, you know, of course this all depends. Certainly people in their 80s still travel, but you might, you know, health, issues might come up or you might just not be able to travel anymore or want to travel anymore and that so that's an example of an expense that like it's it's a it's what is it's a mountain right so it could be a mountain it could be an expense that that goes up for a while and then goes down or decreased or is eliminated it could be a cliff too mm -hmm. right it could be like i'm going to travel for 10 years because i am healthy enough to travel and then i'm going to be done um, and so that's another one that's like, okay, well, maybe the rate of withdrawal is a little higher now as a result of that, but we're anticipating it to go down. Yeah. And the, on the other side of that one, too, is, you know, I guess what, you know, evidence has shown is, you know, if the discretionary stuff goes down, but then healthcare goes up and it kind of replaces that when you get older. There you so, go. so the, you know, they, yeah. kind of, they kind of cancel each other out uh, in, in the later years. Yeah. They, they, can, they kind of change places, and but you're still spending roughly the same just on different things. There you go. It's also... I think it's hard, I feel like um, if you do have a high rate of withdrawal at the beginning and you're anticipating it decreasing, that's kind of all well and good in theory. But if you have bad markets in those years and you're drawing high percentages out when the portfolio is not doing what you're hoping it's gonna be doing or what it will do long term and you have bad years at the beginning, that that can lead to, that can be that, maybe not detrimental, but that can is not great for the plan. Um, and but hopefully, if that happens for people, they have enough wiggle, wiggle room in their expenses. Where if we do have really poor markets, maybe they could cut back for a period of time in order to, you know, ensure or you know, ensure longevity of their assets. And you know, yeah. that's not a fun thing to think about. But hopefully, people have enough buffers built in where it's at least an option. Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, I don't think. We really talked specifically about it during when we were talking about stress testing was you know having emergency cash oh yeah um, we didn't know so emergency cash you know kind of as a way of you know backing into you know stress testing if if we did have a you know a bad market or, or if an unknown expense pops up that we didn't have in the plan can you cover it uh, without without you know wreck, yeah. wrecking your plan yeah, uh, yeah so that's one way of saying you know do you have enough cash um, you know, in the bank, you can get your hands on something that's liquid and, you know, you don't have to sell something uh, at a bad time. Yeah. Uh, you can talk about buckets or? I was going to talk about managing assets while drawing down. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so under the heading of monitoring a plan, um, and I guess said differently, under the heading of managing money when someone is drawing money out is different from managing money when someone is accumulating money. So our roles as advisors and money managers change a little bit when someone shifts into retirement years because what becomes more important, it becomes very important for us to know how much people are thinking that they're gonna draw from their assets. 
Um, so we develop what we call income plans or quite or more easily understood for some people like a cash bucket strategy. And we alluded to this earlier when, we're, when we were talking about that aggressive, that right, aggressive client right. in, in holding a cash position. But we always hold, um, we try to always hold a larger than normal cash position for those clients that are drawing money out. And that's a risk mitigation tool and it's, um, it's a prudent way to manage assets because it protects clients in the event that we see downturns in the value of their portfolio, albeit in temporarily, a, hopefully. Well, yeah, or, but particularly in a prolonged period of time, you know, yeah. a year or more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like we, for most of our clients who, are, who have like balanced portfolios in retirement, they're in something in the moderate risk realm, we would carry on average like a 12 to 24 month cash bucket strategy for them and that doesn't literally mean we have 12 to 24 months worth of cash in their portfolio it means we're you know we're banking on some earnings in the portfolio but we're carrying some cash and basically our goal is to have enough liquid and readily available assets to send them the money that they need every month for 12 to 24 months and that it just a lot that's just us building in a buffer or building in building in a buffer or a hedge against their assets turning down in value which is normal when you're an investor we have you know poor markets periodically um, and and you have to be prepared for that in really strong stock markets or really strong markets having a larger than normal cash position is actually a bit of a of a, it's a damper it's a on your return. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a drag on return depending on the size of the cash position. It basically means you're not fully invested. But again, we talked about people's goals shift when they, when they get into retirement or pre-retirement and that your upside is perhaps less important than for your protection on the downside or at least it should be right. or it should at least be equally as important. Um, so we've sort of built that in um, so that we can, because we want to try to avoid selling securities when they're down in value for our clients, um, and we, we try to look for opportunities to take profits in, in positions when we see profits and, and fill that cash bucket when we see what we think are opportune times so that our clients are ready for the next downturn in the market, because when you're in a downturn, you don't want to be selling off pieces of your portfolio so that you can have your $4,000 that you need that month um, to you know to to live your life in retirement. So we sort of manage money a little bit differently when clients are retired and drawing assets out. And I'll just take that one step further. When you, it becomes important for us to know what our clients are going to need. And I don't know. It's kind of it's a little, sometimes it's a little bit of a hard conversation to have because you don't want to appear to be judgmental. How much you're going to need? How much do you want? You know, and, and you don't want anyone to feel bad about taking money out of their portfolio because it's their money, and they can have it whenever they want. But and and I sort of elaborate with my clients in that you know the the reason I need to know is so that I can manage the money appropriately. Because if someone says I'm going to take two thousand dollars a month and I'm doing my income plan and I'm determining the most tax efficient way to draw that 2,000 a month and I'm, and I'm making sure they have sufficient cash to send that 2,000 a month. But if they're calling once a quarter for another $5,000 because this, that, or the other thing, 
of course they can do that, but that's not allowing me to manage the money in the best way for them because they could need $5,000 when the account is down 15% in value. And I, I don't want to have to sell when, you know, I would have rather been prepared for that. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm always trying to, especially with people that are not yet retired or just about to be retired, sometimes it's hard for those people to anticipate, but that's why we go through that budgeting exercise so that we can anticipate as best we can. So, but it really comes down to, we want to be able to manage the money in the best way that we can for you. And in order to do that, I need to know like approximately how much you're gonna need so that we can be ensuring that it's ready when you need it. And that, and that it's not, we don't have to sell things when they're down in value. That's really the whole um, cash bucket strategy. And we try, we try to talk to people ahead of time about those things, the things that we see that come up the most as yeah. far as the unexpected. Yeah. And one, one being, you know, cars. Uh, yeah. You know, cars come up periodically, and that's, that's a relatively big expense, and a lot of times they have to go to their portfolio to get the money to, to buy the car, whether yeah. it's a lease or a purchase or whatever it is. Um, another one is kids. Um, kids are expensive. Well, yeah, or grandkids. Yeah. You know, they want to help They want to help their grandkid with, you know, with college or, or with a car or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so with, that's another one where we're just, we try to, you know, Talk to them a little bit about it, and maybe try to build in you know, a little bit of a buffer because we've we've seen it uh, in reality. Yeah, um, I just we I think we just have a few minutes left before we'll wrap up here, but um, I just wanted to touch on tax mitigation strategies because it's one of my favorite topics, and I can't officially call myself a tax planner yet, but soon enough, hopefully in the next twelve months, um, I'll have my master's, and we can and I can officially be call myself a tax planner um new business cards yes i can't wait i'm excited for that well i'm not excited for the next 12 months but i'm excited for that um but i'm more than halfway through so that feels pretty good That's i'm 60 percent through that degree and i and so i feel like the end is near <laughs> um winter is coming no i didn't no, that's not at all it's, that's not winter that's good so just what, one of the things that we try to do for people when we're, well, when people are accumulating assets, we're, we're, we try to have conversations about diversification. And, and oftentimes that's from, well, from an investment point of view, but also from a tax point of view, it's nice to have diversification in terms of the type of accounts that you have, which we touched on that earlier. Um, it's nice to have retirement accounts. Great to have Roth accounts if it makes sense for you and if you can, and, and also great to have non-retirement accounts. And so from a tax diversification standpoint, as you're accumulating money, those, those are good things to bear in mind. And then if you fast forward into retirement, you know, it's nice to, it's when you have different chunks of money that are taxed differently, it's, it's a good thing because you can take advantage of that and the fact that you have options and you can, again, if we talk about cash flow spreadsheeting, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of look forward and say, okay, how might your tax bracket change in the future based on what we know of your income and your sources of income? And how might we be able to take advantage of those differentials and tax brackets? And, you know, what's the best, most tax efficient way to draw from your different chunks of money? Because sometimes a pro rata draw from different chunks of money is not the optimum strategy. And sometimes drawing from your more tax efficient places first, like drawing down a Roth first or drawing down non-retirement monies first and then going to retirement monies, that's kind of how, that's, that's how the software defaults. 
but that's not always the best from a tax mitigation point of view. And so being able to look out, you know, if you have a plan put together and being able to look out long term and see how things might change, it might allow you to take advantages of differentials and tax brackets, which is like something that I get really excited about. Um, but anyway, you can, that, that's different for everybody and you really want to work with your advisor or your tax professional on, you know, best strategies um, in that regard. Um, all right, we have just a couple minutes left. I, um, that, I feel like that was, that was pretty good actually for an impromptu uh, radio show session. I, we, we prepared this outline about 60 minutes before the start of the show, so I feel like we did pretty good on that. Um, I apologize that we couldn't take callers this morning due to family commitments. Um, but we will be recording live next week, and um, that will be with Mike again, and he's going to be doing a Marshfield Matters shows. But feel free to call in with financial questions. He'll, he's always open to answering those. Um, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I was joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. We haven't done a tag team show in a little while, mm. I felt like, so that was nice. And we talked this morning about... Um, that was our retirement boot camp show, getting in shape for retiring, which retirement, which is certainly the biggest goal um, that we help our clients plan for. Maybe I guess college being the the next biggest one, um, but certainly uh, a pretty, I think, a pretty valuable thing that we do for our clients in addition to managing money and um, you know helping them plan this stuff out and think about this stuff is 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 really important. And I feel like people don't maybe don't quite know that until they go through the process, but the process is, is enlightening and it's mostly fun. Yeah. Um, and sometimes if it's not fun, it's better that you know earlier than later. And um, so regardless of worthwhile exercise to go through. So if you haven't talked to your advisor or if you don't have an advisor and haven't put a plan together, um, never too early to start. So um, I think we will wrap it up unless you have anything else to add to um, that show for this morning. Um, you can find Kirk and I at McNamaraFinancial.com. And we, our office is located right here in Marshfield, and we have another office up in the Merrimack Valley in, in Chelmsford. So I hope everyone has a great weekend. Let's hope the sun shines. And um, we will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.